Chapter twenty five of Sixty Years in Southern California, eighteen fifty three to nineteen thirteen, by Harris Newmark. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. Chapter twenty five Removal to New York and Return, eighteen sixty seven to eighteen sixty eight. The reader may already have noted that more than one important move in my life has been decided upon with but little previous deliberation. During August 1866, while on the way to a family picnic at La Bologna, my brother suggested the advisability of opening an office for H. Newmark and Company in New York, and so quickly had I expressed my willingness to remove there, that when we reached the rancho, I announced to my wife that we would leave for the East as soon as we could get ready. Circumstances, however, delayed our going a few months. My family at this time consisted of my wife and four children, and together on January twenty ninth, eighteen sixty seven, we left San Pedro for New York by way of San Francisco and Panama, experiencing frightfully hot weather. Stopping at Acapulco during Maximilian's Revolution, we were summarily warned to keep away from the fort on the hill, while at Panama, yellow fever, spread by travelers recently arrived from South America, caused the captain to beat a hasty retreat sailing on the steamer henry chancy from aspinwall we arrived at new york on the sixth of march and having domiciled my family comfortably my next care was to establish an office on the third floor at thirty one and thirty three broadway placing it in charge of m j newmark who had preceded me to the metropolis a year before in a short time i bought a home on forty ninth street between sixth and seventh avenues then an agreeable residence district an intense longing to see my old home next induced me to return to Europe, and I sailed on May 16th for Havre, on the steam-propeller Union, the band playing the Highland Fling as the vessel left the pier. In mid-ocean the ship's propeller broke, and she completed the voyage under sail. Three months later I returned on the Russia. The recollection of this journey gives me real satisfaction, for had I not taken it then, I should never again have seen my father. On the 21st of the following November, or a few months after I last bade him good-bye, he died at Lebeau, in the seventy-fifth year of his age. My mother had died in the summer of 1859. It was during this visit that, tarrying for a week in the brilliant French capital, I saw the Paris Exposition, housed to a large extent in one immense building in the Champ de Mars. I was wonderfully impressed with both the city and the fair, as well as with the enterprising and artistic French people who had created it although I was somewhat disappointed that of the fifty thousand or more exhibitors represented it, but seven hundred were Americans. One little incident may be worth relating. While I was standing in the midst of the machinery one day, the gendarme suddenly began to force the crowd back, and on retreating with the rest I saw a group of ladies and gentlemen approaching. It was soon whispered that they were the Empress Eugenie and her suite, and that we had been commanded to retire in order to permit Her Majesty to get a better view of a new railroad coach that she desired to inspect. Not long ago I was reading of a trying ordeal in the life of Elihu B. Washburn, American minister to France, who, having unluckily removed his shoe at a court dinner, was compelled to rise with the company on sudden appearance of royalty and to step back with a stockinged foot. The incident recalled an experience of my own in London. I had ordered from a certain shoemaker in Berlin a pair of patent leather gaiters, which I wore for the first time when I went to Covent Garden with an old friend and his wife. It was a very warm evening, and the performance had not progressed far before it became evident that the shoes were too small. 
I was, in fact, nearly overcome with pain, and in my desperation to remove the gaiters, when the lights were low, quietly shoved them under the seat and sat out the rest of the performance with a fair degree of comfort and composure. Imagine my consternation, however, when I sought to put the shoes on again and found the operation almost impossible. The curtain fell while I was explaining and apologizing to my friends, and nearly every light was extinguished before I was ready to emerge from the famous opera house and to limp to a waiting carriage. A trifling event also lingers among the memories of this revisit to my native place. While journeying towards Lobo in a stage, I happened to mention that I had married since settling in America, whereupon one of my fellow passengers inquired whether my wife was white, brown, or black. Major Ben C. Truman was President Johnson's private secretary until he was appointed, in 1866, special agent for the Post Office Department on the Pacific Coast. He came to Los Angeles in February 1867 to look after postal matters in Southern California and Arizona, but more particularly to re-establish, between Los Angeles and points in New Mexico, the old Butterfield route, which had been discontinued on account of the war. Truman opened post offices at a number of places in Los Angeles County. On December 8, 1869, the Major married Miss Augusta Mallard, daughter of Judge J. S. Mallard. From July 1873 until the late summer of 1877, he controlled the Los Angeles Star, contributing to its columns many excellent sketches of early life in Southern California, some of which were incorporated in one or more substantial volumes. And of all the pioneer journalists here, it is probable that none have surpassed this affable gentleman in brilliancy and genial, kindly touch. Among Truman's books is an illustrated work entitled Semi-Tropical California, dedicated with a Dominus Vobiscum to Phineas Banning, and published in San Francisco, 1874, while another volume, issued seven years later, is devoted to Occidental sketches. A fire starting in Bell's Block on Los Angeles Street on July 13th, during my absence from the city, destroyed property to the value of $64,000, and the same season S. Lazard and company moved their dry goods store from Bell's Row to Wolfskill's building on Main Street, opposite the Bella Union Hotel. Germain Pellissier, a Frenchman from the Haute Alps, came to Los Angeles in August, and for twenty-eight years lived at what is now the corner of Seventh and Olive Streets. Then the land was in the country, but by 1888 Pellissier had built the block that bears his name. On settling here, Pellissier went into sheep raising, scattering stock in Kern and Ventura counties, and importing sheep from France and Australia in order to improve his breed and from one ram alone in a year, as he demonstrated to some doubting challengers, he clipped sixty-two and a half pounds of wool. P. Beaudry began to invest in hill property in 1867, at once improving the steep hillside of New High Street, near Sonora Town, which he bought in at Sheriff's Stale for fifty-five dollars. Afterward, Beaudry purchased some twenty acres between Second, Fourth, Charity, and Hill Streets, for which he paid five hundred and seventeen dollars and when he had subdivided this into eighty lots he cleared about thirty thousand dollars thirty-nine acres between fourth and sixth and pearl and charity streets he finally disposed of at a profit it is said of over fifty thousand dollars john g downey having subdivided nieto's rancho santa gertrudis the little town of downey which he named soon enjoyed such a boom that sleepy los angeles began to sit up and take notice among the early residents was e m sanford a son-in-law of General John W. Gordon of Georgia. A short time before the founding of Downey, a small place named Gallatin had been started nearby, but the flood of 1868 caused our otherwise dry rivers to change their courses, and Gallatin was washed away. 
this subdividing at once stimulated the coming of land and home seekers increased the spirit of enterprise and brought money into circulation soon afterward phineas banning renewed the agitation to connect los angeles with wilmington by rail he petitioned the county to assist the enterprise but the larger taxpayers backed by the over conservative farmers still opposed the scheme tooth and nail until it finally took all of banning's influence to carry the project through to a successful termination george s patton whose father colonel patton of the confederate army was killed at winchester september nineteenth eighteen sixty four is a nephew of andrew glassell and the oldest of four children who came to los angeles with their mother and father andrew glassell senior in eighteen sixty seven educated in the public schools of los angeles patton afterward attended the virginia military institute where stonewall jackson had been a professor returning to los angeles in september eighteen seventy seven when he entered the law firm of glassell smith and patton in eighteen eighty four he married miss ruth youngest daughter of b d wilson after which he retired to private life one of patton's sisters married tom brown another sister became the wife of the popular physician w another sister became the wife of the popular physician dr w lemoyne wills in eighteen seventy one his mother relict of colonel george s patton married her kinsman colonel george h smith john moran senior conducted a vineyard on san pedro street near the present ninth in addition to which he initiated the soda water business here selling his product at twenty-five cents a bottle soda water however was too soft a drink to find much favor and little was done to establish the trade on a firm basis until eighteen sixty seven when h w stoll a german drove from colorado to california and organized the los angeles soda water works as soon as he began to manufacture the aerated beverages stevens and wood set up the first soda water fountain in los angeles on north spring street near the post office after that bubbling water and strangely colored syrups gained in popularity until in eighteen seventy six quite an expensive fountain was purchased by pruce and peroni's drug store on spring street opposite court and what is more they brought in hogsheads from saratoga that would be difficult to find in all los angeles today congress vichy and kissingen waters stole by the way in eighteen seventy three married fraulein louisa ben daughter of john ben an important industry of the late sixties and early seventies was the harvesting of castor beans then growing wild along the zanjas they were shipped to san francisco for manufacturing purposes the oil factories there both supplying the ranchmen with seed and pledging themselves to take the harvest when gathered in eighteen sixty seven a small castor oil mill was set up here the chilicote derived according to charles f loomis from the aztec chilecayote the wild cucumber or echinocystis fabacea is the naming of a plaything supplied by diversified nature which grew on large vines especially along the slope leading down to the river on what is now elysian park and in the neighborhood of the hills adjacent to the mallard and nichols places four or five of these chilicotes each shaped much like an irregular marble came in a small burr or gourd and to secure them for games the youngsters risked limb if not life among the trees and rocks small circular holes were sometimes cut into the nuts and after the meat which was not edible had been extracted the empty shells were strung together like beads and presented as necklaces and bracelets to sisters and sweethearts just about the time when i first gazed upon the scattered houses of our little pueblo the pacific railway expedition sent out from washington prepared and published a tinted lithograph sketch of los angeles now rather rare 
in eighteen sixty seven stephen a rendell an englishman of angora goat fame who had been here off and on as a photographer devised one of the first large panoramas of los angeles which he sold by advance subscription it was made in sections and as the only view of that year extant it also has become notable as an historical souvenir surrounded by his somewhat pretentious gallery and his mysterious dark room on the top floor of temple's new block v wolfenstein also took good bad and indifferent photographs having arrived here perhaps in the late sixties and remaining a decade or more until his return to his native stockholm where i again met him he operated with slow wet plates and pioneers will remember the inconvenience almost tantamount to torture to which the patron was subjected in sitting out an exposure the children of pioneers too will recall his magic revolving stereoscope filled with fascinating views at which one peeped through magnifying glasses lewis lewin must have arrived here in the late sixties subsequently he bought out the stationary business of w j broderick and p lazarus upon his arrival from tucson in eighteen seventy four entered into partnership with him samuel hellman as was not generally known at the time also having an interest in the firm which was styled lewis lewin and company when the centennial of the united states was celebrated here in eighteen seventy six a committee wrote a short historical sketch of los angeles and this was published by lewin and company now the firm is known as the lazarus stationery company p lazarus footnote died on september thirtieth nineteen fourteen and footnote being president lewin and lazarus married into families of pioneers mrs lewin is a daughter of s lazard while mrs lazarus is a daughter of m kramer Lewin died at Manila on April 5, 1905. On November 18, the Common Council contracted with Jean-Louis Saint-Savin to lay some 5,000 feet of 2- and 3-inch iron pipe at a cost of about $6,000 in scrip. But the great flood of that winter caused Saint-Savin so many failures and losses that he transferred his lease in the spring or summer of 1868 to Dr. J.S. Griffin, Prudent Beaudry, and Solomon Lazard, who completed Saint-Savin's contract with the city dr griffin and his associates then proposed to lease the waterworks from the city for a term of fifty years but soon changed this to an offer to buy when the matter came up before the council for adoption there was a tie vote whereupon murray morrison just before resigning as president of the council voted in the affirmative his last official act being to sign the franchise mayor aguilar however vetoed the ordinance and then dr griffin and his colleagues came forward with a new proposition this was to lease the works for a period of thirty years and to pay fifteen hundred dollars a year in addition to performing certain things promised in the preceding proposition at this stage of the negotiations john jones made a rival offer and p mcfadden who had been an unsuccessful bidder for the sansevain lease tried with juan bernard to enter into a twenty-year contract notwithstanding these offers however the city authorities thought it best on july twenty second eighteen sixty eight to vote the franchise to dr griffin s lazard and p beaudry who soon transferred their thirty-year privileges to a corporation known as the los angeles city water company in which they became trustees others associated in this enterprise were eugene meyer i w hellman j g downey a j king stephen hathaway mott tom's brother w h perry and charles lafoon a spirited fight followed the granting of the thirty-year lease but the water company came out victorious in the late sixties when the only communities of much consequence in los angeles county were los angeles anaheim and wilmington the latter place and anaheim landing were the shipping ports of los angeles san bernardino and arizona 
at that time or during some of the especially prosperous days of anaheim the slough at anaheim landing since filled up by flood was so formed and of such depth that heavily loaded vessels ran past the warehouse to a considerable distance inland and there unloaded their cargoes at the same time the leading coast steamers began to stop there not many miles away was the corn-producing settlement gospel swamp i have pointed out the recurring weaknesses in the wooden pipes laid by sansevain and marchesol this distressing difficulty causing as it did repeated losses and sharp criticism by the public has always been regarded as the motive for ex-mayor marchesault's death on january twentieth when he committed suicide in the old city council room jacob lowe arrived in america in eighteen sixty five and spent three years in new york before he came to california in eighteen sixty eight clerking for a while in san francisco he went to the old town of san diego then to gallatin and in eighteen seventy two settled in downey and there in conjunction with jacob barak afterward of haas barak and company he conducted for years the principal general merchandise business of that section on coming to los angeles in eighteen eighty three he bought as i have said the deming mill now known as the capital mills two years later on the second of august he was married to my daughter emily dr joseph kurtz once a student at geisen arrived in los angeles on february third with a record for hospital service at baltimore during the civil war having been induced to come here by the druggist adolph young with whom for a while he had some association still later he joined dr rudolf eichler in conducting a pharmacy for some time prior to his graduation in medicine in eighteen seventy two dr kurtz had an office in the lanfranco building for many years he was surgeon to the southern pacific railroad company and consulting physician to the santa fe railroad company and he also served as president of the los angeles college clinical association i shall have further occasion to refer to this good friend dr carl kurtz is distinguishing himself in the profession of his father hail fellow well met and always in favor with a large circle was my teutonic friend louis ebbinger who after coming to los angeles in eighteen sixty eight turned clay into bricks perhaps this also recalled the days of his childhood when he made pies of the same material but be that as it may louis in the early seventies made his first venture in the bakery business opening shop on north spring street in the bustling boom days when real estate men saw naught but the sugar coating ebbinger who had moved to the elaborate quarters in a building at the southwest corner of spring and third streets was dispensing cream puffs and other baked delicacies to an enthusiastic and unusually large clientele but since everybody then had money or thought he had one such place was not enough to satisfy the ravenous speculators with the result that john coaster was soon conducting a similar establishment on spring street near second while farther north on spring street near first the vienna bakery ran both lewis and john a merry race dr l w french one of the organizers of the odontological society of southern california also came to los angeles in eighteen sixty eight so early that he found but a couple of itinerant dentists who made their headquarters here for part of the year and then hung out their shingles in other towns or at remote ranches one day in the spring of eighteen sixty eight while i was residing in new york city i received a letter from phineas banning accompanied by a sealed communication and reading about as follows dear harris herewith i enclose to you a letter of the greatest importance addressed to miss mary hollister daughter as you know of colonel john h hollister who will soon be on her way to new york and who may be expected to arrive there by the next steamer this letter i beg you to deliver to miss hollister personally immediately upon her arrival in new york thereby obliging yours obediently signed phineas banning 
the steamer referred to had not yet arrived and i lost no time in arranging that i should be informed by the company's agents of the vessel's approach as soon as it was sighted this notification came by the by through a telegram received before daylight one bitterly cold morning when i was told that the ship would soon be at the dock and as quickly as i could i procured a carriage hastened to the wharf and before any passengers had landed boarded the vessel there i sought out miss hollister a charming lady and gave her the mysterious missive i thought no more of this matter until i returned to los angeles when welcoming back banning told me that the letter i had had the honor to deliver aboard ship in new york contained nothing less than a proposal of marriage his solicitation of miss hollister's heart and hand one reason why the bella union played such an important role in the early days of los angeles was because there was no such thing as a high-class restaurant indeed the first recollection i have of anything like a satisfactory place is that of louis viel known by some as french louis and nicknamed by others louis gordo or louis the fat viel came to los angeles from mexico a fat jolly little french caterer not much over five feet in height and weighing i should judge two hundred and fifty pounds and this great bulk supported as it was by two peg-like legs rendered his appearance truly comical his blue eyes light hair and very rosy cheeks accentuated his ludicrous figure louis who must have been about fifty-four years of age when i first met him then conducted his establishment in john lanfranco's building on main street between commercial and Ricana, from which fact the place was known as the lanfranco although it subsequently received a more suggestive title the what cheer house louis was an acknowledged expert in his art but he did not always choose to exert himself nevertheless his lunches for which he charged fifty or seventy-five cents according to the number of dishes served were well thought of and it is certain that los angeles had never had so good a restaurant before at one time our caterer's partner was a man named federico guiol whom he later bought out louis could never master the english language and to his last day spoke with a strong french accent his florid cheeks were due to the enormous quantity of claret consumed both at and between meals he would mix it with soup dip his bread into it and otherwise absorb it in large quantities indeed at the time of his fatal illness while he was living with the family of don louis saint savin it was assumed that overindulgence in wine was the cause be that as it may he sickened and died passing away at the lanfranco home in eighteen seventy two viel had prospered but during his sickness he spent largely of his means after his death it was discovered that he had been in the habit of hiding his coin in little niches in the wall of his room and in other secret places and only a small amount of the money was found a few of the real pioneers recollect louis gordo as one who added somewhat to the comfort of those who then patronized restaurants while others will associate him with the introduction of the first french dolls to take the place of rag babies both judge robert m mcclay widney and dr joseph p widney the surgeon took up their residence in los angeles in eighteen sixty eight r m widney set out from ohio about eighteen fifty five and having spent two years in exploring the rockies worked for a while in the sacramento valley where he chopped wood for a living and finally reached los angeles with a small trunk and about a hundred dollars in cash here he opened a law and real estate office and started printing the real estate advertiser dr widney crossed the continent in eighteen sixty two spent two years as surgeon in the united states army in arizona after which he proceeded to los angeles and soon became one of the charter members of the los angeles medical society exerting himself in particular to extend southern california's climactic fame 
i have spoken of the ice procured from the san bernardino mountains in rather early days but i have not said that in the summer when we most needed the cooling commodity there was none to be had the enterprising firm of queen and guard the first to arrange for regular shipments of truckee river ice in large quantities by steamer from the north announced their purpose late in march of eighteen sixty eight of building an ice-house on main street and about the first of april they began delivering daily in a large and substantial wagon especially constructed for that purpose and which for the time being was an object of much curiosity liberal support was given the enterprise and perhaps it is no wonder that the perspiring editor of the news going into ecstasies because of a cooling sample or two deposited in his office said in the next issue of his paper the founding of an ice depot is another step forward in the progress that is to make us a great city we have water and gas and now we are to have the additional luxury of ice banning's fight for the los angeles and san pedro railroad has been touched upon more than once tomlinson his rival opposed the project but his sudden death about two weeks before the election in eighteen sixty eight removed one of the serious obstacles when the vote was taken on march twenty fourth as to whether the city and county should bond themselves to encourage the building of the railroad seven hundred votes were cast in favor of and six hundred and seventy two votes against the undertaking leaving banning and his associates ready to go ahead by the way as a reminder of the quondam vogue of spanish here it may be noted that the proclamation regarding the railroad published in eighteen sixty eight was printed in both english and spanish on may sixteenth henry hamilton whose newspaper the star during part of the war period had been suspended through the censorship of the national government again made his bow to the los angeles public this time in a half facetious leader in which he referred to the late unpleasantness in the family circle hamilton's old-time vigor was immediately recognized but not his former disposition to attack and criticize dr h s orm once president of the state board of health of california arrived in los angeles on july fourth and soon became as prominent in masonic as in medical circles dr harman an early successor to doctors griffin and den first settled here in eighteen sixty eight although he had previously visited california in eighteen fifty three carl felix heinzemann at one time a well-known chemist and druggist emigrated from germany in eighteen sixty eight and came direct to los angeles where after succeeding j b saunders and company he continued in the lanfranco building what grew to be the largest drug store south of san francisco heinzemann died on april twenty ninth nineteen o three about the same period a popular apothecary shop on main street near the plaza was known as chevalier's in the seventies when hygiene and sanitation were given more attention a welshman named hughes conducted a steam bath establishment on main street almost opposite the baker block and the first place of its kind in the city charles f harper footnote died september nineteenth nineteen fifteen and footnote of mississippi and the father of ex-mayor harper in eighteen sixty eight opened with r h dalton a hardware store in the allen block corner of spring and temple streets thus forerunning coulter and harper harper and moore harper reynolds and company and the harper reynolds company michel levey an alsatian arrived in san francisco when but seventeen years of age and after various experiences in california and nevada towns he came to los angeles in eighteen sixty eight soon establishing with joe coblentz the wholesale liquor house of levey and coblentz the latter left here in eighteen seventy nine and levey continued under the firm name of m levey and company until his death in nineteen o five anastasio cardenas a dwarf who weighed but one and a half pounds when born came to los angeles in eighteen sixty seven and soon appeared before the public as a singer and dancer 
he carried a sword and was popularly dubbed general a brother ruperto lived long here when the canal and reservoir company was organized with george hansen as president and j j warner as secretary p Beaudry contributed heavily to construct a twenty-foot dam across the canyon below the present site of echo park and a ditch leading down to pearl street this first turned attention to the possibilities in hill lands to the west and in return the city gave the company a large amount of land popularly designated as canal and reservoir property in 1868, when there was still not a three-story house in Los Angeles, James Alvinza Hayward, a San Franciscan, joined John G. Downey in providing $100,000 with which to open, in the old Downey block on the site of the Temple Adobe, the first bank in Los Angeles, under the firm name of Hayward & Company. The lack of business afforded this enterprise short shrift, and they soon retired. In July of the same year, I.W. Hellman, William Workman, F. P. F. Temple and James R. Toberman started a bank with a capital of one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, under the title of Hellman Temple and Company. Hellman becoming manager. I do not remember when postal lock boxes were first brought into use, but I do recollect that in the late sixties, Postmaster Clark had a great deal of trouble collecting quarterly rents, and that he finally gave notice that boxes held by delinquents would thereafter be nailed up a year or two after the burtons had established themselves here came another pedagogue in the person of w b lawler a thick-set bearded man with a flushed complexion who opened a day school called the lawler institute and after the burtons left here to settle at portland oregon where burton became headmaster of an academy for advanced students many of his former pupils attended lawler's school the two institutions proved quite different in type Burton training had tended strongly to language and literature, while Lawler, who was an adept at shortcut methods of calculation, placed more stress on arithmetic and commercial education. Burton, who returned to Los Angeles, has been for years a leading member of the Times editorial staff, and Burton's book on California and its sunlit skies is one of this author's contribution to Pacific Coast literature. His wife, however, died many years ago. Lawler, who was president of the Common Council in 1880, is also dead. The most popular piano teacher of about that time was Professor Van Gilpin. William Pridham came to Los Angeles in August, having been transferred from the San Francisco office of Wells Fargo and Company, in whose service as pony rider, clerk at Austin, Nevada, and at Sacramento, and cashier in the northern metropolis, he had been for some ten years. Here he succeeded Major J. R. Toberman, when the latter, after long service, resigned and with a single office boy, at one time little Joe Binford, he handled all the business committed to the company's charge. John Osborne was the outside expressman. Then most of the heavy express matter from San Francisco was carried by steamers, but letters and limited packages of moment were sent by stage. With the advent of railroads, Pridham was appointed by Wells Fargo and Company, superintendent of the Los Angeles district. On June 12, 1880, he married Miss Mary Esther, daughter of Colonel John O. Wheeler, and later moved to Alameda. Now, after 51 years of association with the express business, Pridham still continues to be officially connected with the Wells Fargo Company. Speaking of that great organization reminds me that it conducted for years a mail-carrying business. Three-cent stamped envelopes, imprinted with Wells Fargo and Company's name, were sold to their patrons for ten cents each. To compensate for this bonus, the company delivered the letters entrusted to them perhaps one to two hours sooner than did the government. This recalls to me a familiar experience on the arrival of the mail from the north. Before the inauguration of a stage line, the best time in the transmission of mail matter between San Francisco and Los Angeles was made by water, and Wells Fargo messengers sailed with the steamers. 
immediately upon the arrival of the boat at san pedro the messenger boarded the stage and as soon as he reached los angeles pressed on to the office of the company near the bella union where he delivered his bag full of letters the steamer generally got in by five o'clock in the morning and many a time about seven have i climbed signal or pound cake hill higher in those days than now and affording in clear weather a view of both ocean and the smoke of the steamer upon whose summit stood a house used as a signal station and there watched for the rival stages the approach of which was indicated by clouds of dust i would then hurry with many others to the express company's office where as soon as the bag was emptied we would all help ourselves unceremoniously to the mail in august general edward boughton a northern army officer came to los angeles and soon had a sheep ranch on boyle heights a section then containing but two houses and two years later he camped where whittier now lies in eighteen seventy four he bought land for pasture in the san jacinto valley and for years owned the ocean front at alamitos bay from devil's gate to the inlet boring artesian wells there north of long beach louis Ribodeau, who had continued to prosper as a ranchero died in eighteen sixty eight at the age of seventy seven years with the usual flourish of spades if not of trumpets ground was broken for the los angeles and san pedro railroad at wilmington on september nineteenth and toward the end of november the rails had been laid about a mile out from wilmington the last contract for carrying the overland mail was given to wells fargo and company on october first and pledged a round remuneration of one million seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars per annum while it also permitted passengers and freight to be transported but the company came to have a great deal of competition phineas banning for example had a stage line between los angeles and yuma in addition to which mail and passengers were carried in buckboards large wagons and jerkies moreover there was another stage line between tucson and el paso and rival stage lines between el paso and st louis and in consequence the butterfield service was finally abandoned this american vehicle by the by the jerky was so named for the very good reason that as the wagon was built without springs it jerked the rider around unmercifully boards were laid across the wagon box for bed or seats accommodating four passengers and some space was provided in the back for baggage to maintain one's position in the bumping squeaking vehicle at all was difficult while to keep one's place on the seat approached the impossible of the various los angeles roadways in eighteen sixty eight west sixth street was the most important in its relation to travel along this highway the daily overland stages entered and departed from the city and by this route came all the havila lone pine soledad and owens river trade as well as that of the balona and siniega districts sixth street also led to the fairgrounds and over its none too even service dashed most of the sports and gallants on their way to the racecourse i have said that i returned to new york in eighteen sixty seven presumably for permanent residence soon after i left los angeles however samuel cohn became desperately ill and the sole management of h newmark and company suddenly devolved on sam's brother caspar this condition of affairs grew so bad that my return to los angeles became imperative accordingly leaving my family i took passage on october thirty first eighteen sixty eight for san francisco and returned to los angeles without delay i then wired my wife to start with the children for the coast and have the furniture including a chickering grand piano just purchased shipped after them and when they arrived we once more took possession of the good old adobe on main street where we lived contentedly until eighteen seventy four this piano by the way which came by freight around cape horn was one of the first instruments of the kind seen here john schumacher having previously bought one while we were living in new york edward j newmark my wife's brother died here on february seventeenth eighteen sixty eight 
before i left for new york hardly anything had been done in subdividing property save perhaps by the lugos and downey and at anaheim and wilmington during the time that i was away however newspapers and letters from home indicated the changes going on here and i recall what an impression all this made upon me on my way down from san francisco on captain johnson's orizaba in december about the same time that the now familiar locomotive san gabriel reached wilmington land agents were active and people were talking a great deal about these subdivisions and by the time i reached los angeles i too was considerably stirred up over the innovations and as soon as possible after my return hastened out to see the change the improvements were quite noticeable and among other alterations surprising me were the houses people had begun to build on the approaches to the western hills i was also to learn that there was a general demand for property all over the city colonel charles h larrabee city attorney in eighteen sixty eight especially having bought several hundred feet on spring and fort streets later i heard of the experiences of other angelinos aboard ship who were deluged with circulars advertising prospective towns to show the provincial character of los angeles fifty years ago i will add an anecdote or two while i was in new york members of my family reported by letter as a matter of extraordinary interest the novelty of a silver nameplate on a neighboring front door and when i was taken to inspect it a year later i saw the legend still novel mr and mrs eugene meyer in the metropolis i had found finger bowls in common use and having brought back with me such a supply as my family would be likely to need i discovered that it had actually fallen to my lot to introduce those desirable conveniences into los angeles william ferguson was an arrival of eighteen sixty eight having come to settle up the business of a brother and remaining to open a livery stable on north main street near the plaza which he conducted for ten years investing in water company stock ferguson abandoned his stable to make water pipes a couple of years later perhaps than j f holbrook had entered the same field success enabled ferguson to build a home at three o three south hill street where he found himself the only resident south of third this manufacture here of water pipe recalls a cordial acquaintance with william lacy senior an englishman who was interested with william rowland in developing the puente oil fields his sons william jr and richard h originators of the lacy manufacturing company began making pipe and tanks a quarter of a century ago c r rinaldi started a furniture business here in eighteen sixty eight opening his door almost opposite the stern's home on north main street before long he disposed of an interest to charles daughter and then i think sold out to i w lord and moved to the neighborhood of the san fernando mission about the same time sidney lacy who arrived in eighteen seventy and was a popular clerk with the pioneer carpet and wallpaper house of smith and walter commenced what was to be a long association with this establishment in eighteen seventy six c h bradley bought out lord and the firm of daughter and bradley so well known to households of forty years ago came into existence in eighteen eighty four h h markham soon to be congressman and then governor of the state with general e p johnson bought this concern and organized the los angeles furniture company whose affairs since nineteen ten when her husband died have been conducted by the president mrs catherine fredericks conrad hafen a german swiss reached los angeles in december eighteen sixty eight driving a six-horse team and battered wagon with which he had braved the privations of death valley and soon he rented a little vineyard two years later buying for the same purpose considerable acreage on what is now central avenue rewarded for his husbandry with some affluence hafen built both the old hafen house and the new on south hill street once a favorite resort for german arrivals he retired in nineteen o five
End of chapter 25